I had an opportunity to go home, and when I mean home, my original home, to New York this past week. Been a long time in, in planning. I hadn't been home in probably about five years, which is way too long. Don't ever do that to your parents. But um, what's interesting is that my son, and I mentioned this a couple of times before, hadn't been to see my dad since he was, I don't know, six or seven months old. So even though he had been to New York technically, he had never essentially met his grandfather or his great-grandmother, at least in his memory. And so it was a pretty epic trip for us to, to go to New York. And, and so, you know, I took my son somewhere essentially that he had never been before. I took him to meet a couple of people that he, had, he essentially had never really met. He got to see mountains he'd never seen. He went into states he'd never been in before, you know, and all the stuff that was obvious to me to him was really cool. It was, just, it was new. It was, it was different. Foods he had never eaten, places he had never been, and, and I was his guide, you know. I was the one that told him, this is where Dad grew up. This is, this is where Dad went to school. This is the, the place where this happened and that happened, and he got to try food that he had never had before, and I was his guide saying, all right, you know, a real New Yorker folds his pizza, you know. Uh, and bagels in, in New York, you eat like a sandwich, you know. Calzones, you dump the sauce on, you know, and, and had different kinds of food. And so in a way, he was just kind of baptized, if you will. He was immersed in New York culture and the stories and, and all the things of New York. And on his own, he just really loved it. He saw something, experienced something he'd never experienced before, and it was really fun being able to share that with them. You know, this morning I want us to look at a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples about the importance of passing things on that had been given to him, that he had shared with the disciples. And so there's this conversation that he has with them before we read about him ascending to the Father. And it comes out of Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 20 this morning. It says, Now the eleven disciples, we're not talking about the huge crowd of followers that had been with Jesus, but the eleven disciples, those that were the, the closest to him. Of course, it says eleven now because Judas had, had hung himself, unfortunately. It says, But the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And he was getting ready to leave them, Right? It says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I want to just pause there for a second. I think one of the coolest things about that passage and others is that it kind of speaks to the authenticity of the Bible and of Scripture when you see that some doubted. If you were writing a fake faith and writing things down, you would never kind of present that aspect of doubt, you know. But people even his closest disciples, even after he had risen from the dead, there were some that worshipped him, and there were still some that doubted. And so, Jesus came and said to them, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I want to pause there for a second. When we say baptizing, there, there's 
things that come to mind. I mean, we think about, depending on your tradition of being dunked, you know, underwater for baptism, being sprinkled, you know, christenings, things of that nature. We think about baptism in that sense. But truly what baptism really means is it means to be immersed. It means to be dunked into something and changed, okay? It's like taking, the word was used when they would baptize cloth. They would take white cloth and they would baptize it, for example, in purple. They would bring it out and that cloth would be forever changed. It would be purple. It was baptized into purple, okay? And so when we talk about baptizing, we're, we're, we're always, even to the end of the age, that was a, a final conversation that, that Jesus had with his disciples. Now, last week, of course, we, we celebrated the, the resurrection. We celebrated the aspect that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was risen on the third day in victory. And that has a huge meaning because it means that Jesus was who we said he was. It means we're truly forgiven, that the past is gone, that the new has come that we have new life in Jesus. It's a huge, huge deal. But the resurrection has a, has a different impact in everyone. As we, as we saw in that passage, some believed and some doubted. I guess the question that we have this morning too, the first one is, is are you a worshiper or are you a doubter? And when I say doubter, it's not like people always publicly say that they're a doubter. But there are moments that we, we doubt by the way that we live our lives even. And I don't really believe, and Brad and I were talking about this, you know, I don't know, can, can Jesus really heal? It says in the Bible that he can, that he does. And do we live as worshipers or do we live as, as doubters? Worshipers are those that are going gonna to go ahead and pray for someone to be healed. Doubters are maybe not even going to bother with it. Maybe not even going to think about it. Or the, the worshipers are the ones that truly put Jesus' words into action. We doubt, if you will, sometimes by just living our own way and not living according to the way that Jesus called us to. Are we a worshiper or a doubter? Because worshipers live a certain way. Worshiping prompts us to do something. It prompts us to, to have a different lifestyle. It gives us this desire, if you will, to be ambassadors. It gives us this desire to do what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. I want you to go out literally into all the world and to tell everyone what you've seen here. I want you to tell everyone what I've done. I want you to teach them how to, not just not about me, but how to observe these teachings. How do you live it? You've been with me all this time. You've been right beside me. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to pray. This is what it means to, to love. You've seen me when I was with the, the, the woman that was caught in adultery and how I came up to her and, and, and the grace that I gave her. You, you saw how uh, I was hanging out with tax collectors who everyone else hated. You, you, you know how I said to you that it's, the, it's not the healthy and you need a doctor, it's the sick. You saw how I took care of the poor. You saw all these kinds of things. You, you heard me when I said what it meant to be a disciple was that you would, you would leave your old life behind and, the, and that you would follow me. And you know, all the things that Jesus said, you were to, to be those kinds of ambassadors to teach people what it means to live that kind of lifestyle. 
And when you're a worshiper and not a doubter, when you're a true lover of Jesus, you have that desire to share him with others. I'm not saying we don't go through those moments where we're just kind of blah, but that desire, that hunger is there. You know, it's kind of, the only way I can express this to you is to to share it on a different level. You know, there are things that I love, you know. Some of you all know my habits. You might consider them bad habits, good habits, whatever, but I love coffee, okay. Out of all places, I came back from New York with a coffee plant. You're like, does anything live up there when it's that cold, (laughs) you know. But in this, this area, there was all kinds of flowers in this greenhouse, and there was this little $5 coffee plant. So I brought that home. I love coffee, everything about coffee, roasting coffee, drinking coffee, different coffee gadgets, blah, blah, blah. So much so that I'll talk to people about coffee. It's almost like the gospel of coffee. Oh, you think that coffee is good? You should try this. Oh, and by the way, I've got this new, this new gadget coming in that just makes the best coffee. And it's like coffee, 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 like Lance's or anything else you talk about. Or, or lately it's been cigars too. And I like this kind of cigar. I'm only like, dude, who cares about cigars? We're here to hear about Jesus. And you're like, okay, great. You're right. You're right. But with those kind of things, right, when you get excited, maybe you get excited about a new restaurant, you're like, oh, man, i got to tell people about this because this place is awesome. This is the best buffet I've ever been to. This is the best chicken I ever had. This is the best, you know, whatever. And Dennis, for my son, when we're in New York, the thing for him that has been crazy on his mind is chemistry, right? And if there's anyone that doesn't want any topic probably that people don't want to hear about, maybe it's just because they don't understand, it's probably chemistry. And Dennis will bring me coffee cups with different chemical formulas written on the lid. You know, that I'm like, what are you talking about? We went to go in these caverns in New York called uh, Howe Caverns. I don't know if you've ever been there. But a pretty cool place with the stalagmites and the stalactites. Even before we get there, he's, he's studying and to find out what is it, what kind of calcium or whatever that makes up these kind of things and comes up with this formula. And we get in there, and one of the first things that the guide says is, these are made by this such and such formula with calcium. And Dennis is like, I knew it. But he wants everyone to know about chemistry stuff because he's so excited about it. It's like the gospel of chemistry. Did you know that if this mixes with this, this happens? And he's got nothing but T-shirts, right? You know, all, he's got a million chemistry T-shirts. And he even, even made up one. And it said, all the good chemistry jokes or puns. And then he had a, a square in there of the element argon. So all the good chemistry jokes are gone, and it says, and now I get no reaction. And it's even deeper than that. Like, a normal person, if you're not a chemistry guy, could get the joke. But then he goes even further and says, well, what's funny is is that argon is a noble gas, and because it's a noble gas, it can't get a reaction, and it takes it to this whole other level of depth. You're like, dude, I gotta stop and get a drink of water here, you know? But People that are excited about things, people that, you know, they, they want to share with others what they love. And with the fact, the truth that Jesus has changed our life, Jesus simply says, share that with the world. Because it's in sharing that that people are changed. It's in sharing that that the world is changed. On a, on a crazy level, you know, maybe all you've ever had is Folgers, but let me introduce to you real coffee, you know? One by one, people are, oh, this is better, this is better, okay? But with something so much more important, the gospel, being connected with God, Jesus says, share this 
with others. There's some scriptures that, that come to mind, in particular uh, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 2 through 6. And this is what it says. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I'm in prison. But he says that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I want people to really understand what I'm saying. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Simply an outsider, someone that doesn't know Jesus, right? Walk, uh, making the best use of the time. And it says this, this is key. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech be gracious and seasoned with salt. The way that you speak, it should be, it should be clear that there's something different about this guy or gal from, from others. They're full of love. Something different about them. And then and it says seasoned with salt. Let me give an example of this. My grandmother, I, uh, when I went back to see her this past week, she, has, she is the same person as a kid on. You cannot have a conversation with my grandmother without hearing about Jesus. And it's not that she's pushy. It's just, it's just, it's a part of her. Every, every conversation we have, she's always talking about Jesus. She's just always there in that conversation. Everyone that she talks to, it comes up. Her, her speech is seasoned with that. It's seasoned with salt. It's, it's the flavor of what you get when you talk to my grandmother. And I was just thinking how amazing that was, that there was just always a natural part of who she was. And she didn't apologize for it. She wasn't embarrassed about it. You know, in the same way that why should we be embarrassed uh, that I like better coffee or I like cigars or Dennis likes chemistry? He's not embarrassed about that. But for her, her, her every conversation is seasoned with that truth about Jesus. And it's so much more important than, than anything else. And our, our lives have to be like that. Our lives have to be permeated or marinated, if you will, right, with the truth, with the love of Jesus. It just is something that should naturally come out. And so I was just encouraged seeing that from my grandmother and just really thinking about how much all of us really need to have lives like that, speech and lives that are, that are seasoned with salt. Going back to our, our verse in Matthew, the, one of the things that Jesus says is that, you know, worshipers go, he says, and make disciples. A disciple is, it's a simply, it's a follower. It's a follower of Jesus. You know, one of the things that Dennis and I got to do twice, because I love it so much, this part of New York that I'm from has this food called Speedies. And I've got a shirt that says, I love Speedies. Say the word speedies with me. Yes. So speedies are just simply any kind of meat marinated in this just amazing kind of Italian slash Greek seasoning that's just incredible. But uh, there's a particular place where you can go and you can get these speedies. And, and I wasn't playing around. I went in and got two 12-inch subs, one chicken, one pork. And Dennis and I swapped half of it so we both had each. And we just went to town. 
And I didn't prompt him. I didn't say anything. He just, he loved it. And we went back again before we left. We had to have lunch there again before we left. But before we left, one of the things that I did for him as well was I went and bought him. I said, you got to get your own shirt. So I bought him a shirt that I'm sure he'll wear one Sunday morning that says that he loves Speedies. And so, you know, if, if, if he was going to, probably going to tell people at school after, when he goes back this week after spring break about all the stuff that happened on the trip. You know, if you will, Dennis has kind of become a disciple, a speedy disciple. And he's going to share that speedy stuff with everybody else. He's going to walk around proudly with that t-shirt. And Jesus says that we're to go and we're to, we're to make disciples ourselves. And we're to, the next thing he says in that passage is to, is to, is to baptize them. And as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's immersing others in all things of God. What's the best way to immerse people in the things of God, people that don't know God, is for you yourself to be someone that is just overflowing with those things, where they see that, where they, they, they taste of it, if you will, in a way, and they realize, man, believers are different, believers are good, believers are loving. If they can see Jesus in you, right, what an amazing and attractive thing that that is, to immerse Others in all things of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we simply baptize. Just to give you a verse that comes to mind with that, in, in Matthew 5, we're going to look at this. Jesus says this for a reason. He says, you're the, you're the salt of the earth, right? Salt does two things. It preserves and, and, it, and it seasons. That's, that's its job. It, it seasons. But if salt has has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt back then, the kind of salt wasn't a pure salt like we have today. It wasn't the typical table salt kind of thing. And literally, it was, it was I don't know how to describe it, mixed with other unpure elements of, you know, of the ground, Okay. And sometimes it wasn't preserved well, it would get wet. It was, you know, people could actually have stuff that looked like salt that was white but had no taste to it. And so what did they do? They just threw it out onto the roads. But the whole point of salt is what? It really kind of it elevates flavor, doesn't it? It brings out the flavor that's already there. And the, the salt of the earth, for us to bring out the flavor of what God is all about, what life is all about, that's our job. But he doesn't stop there. He says that, that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're, you're the light of the world. You know, Dennis and I were driving back. It's an 11 and a half hour trip to New York. And we're, we're coming back, and, it, and it's dark, and we're coming through the Virginia mountains. And you just look off. I was like, Dennis, look, look. And you just, I think we were coming near one of the Richmond or something, one of the cities, and it was just, you just saw nothing but lights in the middle of darkness. And this came to my mind, you are, you are, you're like this, you're a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light of the world. I said, people don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket. What's the point of that? You don't, you know, take a flashlight and then hide the light. You don't cover it up. But you put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine 
before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven, I believe is what it says in the next slide there. Yep. <laughs> so that they may see your good works and glorify God. What are they seeing from us sometimes? Afraid for us to answer that. We need to be shining the light of Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's how the world can, can see. It's the, it's the beginning, if you will, of understanding who Jesus is. When they see us, when they experience a relationship with us, we have, are able to be that salt, to be that light, and then to, to take them further to do what it says next in that passage in Matthew, to teach them how to observe all that he commanded us. This is the way to live. This is how you're to go, to go about living. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Teaching Dennis in New York how to, how to fold his pizza, how to eat, eat his bagels and cream cheese like a true New Yorker. How, to, how New Yorkers, you like this, Madonna, actually use the passing lane. They get out of the way for other people. It was such a pleasure driving in New York. And when I crossed the border coming back, I knew it. I knew it. But we're, we're to teach others how to observe. This is how you do it. This is how you are to live. This is why you want to follow Jesus, because this is where true life is found. Come to Jesus. Be forgiven of your past and, and the mess of your past in your struggles of life, give them to Him and, 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 and watch how He changes your life. Watch the true love and the joy that you have in Him. But this is important for each other as believers too. There, there are some of us that have known Jesus for a long time, and there are some of us that are the new believers. You know, it's really important for us then to, to share with, with those who are new. This is, what it, this, is, this is a good way to maybe have your devotion. This is a good good way to find time to pray. This is, this is how you deal with that difficult person at work. You know, this, I mean, what would, you know, that's the whole question, what would Jesus do? You know, used to have those WWJD bracelets and around until it got cheesy, I guess, you know, but, but the question's a good one, right? What would Jesus do in this particular scenario? And it helps to think through that, you know, because we are we are His disciples. We are His followers. We are, we are God's children. And to understand how our Father acts helps us to understand how we, how we should act as well. The last part of that passage in Matthew says um, you know, to go in all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them how to observe what I've commanded you. He says, for... For I, I will be with you always to the end of the age. What's great to know as well is, I mean, we're, Jesus didn't just leave us. We're not alone. What's amazing in this mysterious thing that the Bible teaches is that he's, he, he indwells us. And that's really kind of weird to say and to understand because we don't always quite grasp that. But his presence is with us through his Holy Spirit. He says that we are not alone. And, and that's, a, 
that's a huge point, I think, in, in sharing that with other people. There are so many people in our world that do feel alone. But to have that connectedness with God is, is, is huge. Following is, is difficult sometimes, too. It's really hard sometimes to be a disciple of Jesus. Luke 9, 23, you know, I want to, to get that in front of our eyes. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to all, He said, if, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone would follow me, He says, let him deny himself. That's, we'll just keep that up there. That's, that's really difficult, too. How do you deny yourself? Set yourself aside, your desires aside, your ambitions aside. To deny yourself, take up your cross daily. And we know what happened on a cross, right? Jesus died. He sacrificed himself. Jesus says to to follow me, you're, you're denying yourself, you're sacrificing yourself. As parents, maybe sometimes you get that. You'll sacrifice things you want to do, things you have for your kids, you know, the, the, the work that you do at times. Just, you know, there's so many different ways we can think of sacrifice. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It's difficult many times, but we're not alone. He walks with us. I'll share a couple more passages and we'll be done. In Romans chapter 10, verses 10, we, we have this, this passage that, that talks about um, salvation. And then it gets to this point, and it says here in verse 11, For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. The Lord won't turn away from anyone who comes to Him, right? But then it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a great promise. But then it says this, it says, how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they, if you would show me the next slide, how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, we, we have this responsibility, this calling, all of us as Christians, to go out. How, how are they going to hear, right, unless someone tells them? But some of you, in your mind, I think some of you think, well, here we are in the, in the buckle of the Bible Belt in the South. You would think people are immersed with the gospel here. They hear about Jesus all the time. But I think even in some ways, that though that knowledge of Jesus, if you will, might be true, I don't think that people are always seeing, even in the South, the real deal. I think they're really always seeing Jesus. I think they're seeing sometimes a lot of 
a lot of pharisaical kinds of things, a lot of churches that make it about dressing up and coming to a building rather than worshiping the one true God? Are they seeing people that are genuine believers, people that are full of grace and truth? And I'm not bashing any church, but just because you're in the, bu the buckle, if you will, of the Bible Belt in the South doesn't mean that people are hearing and seeing the truth. You can be surrounded by things and still never get it. It's our responsibility to, to be evangelists and maybe you're not comfortable with that word but it's you know it's a, uh, evangelists of a of, of the of the best news ever it's funny I, i've signed up for this um this banking thing it's this company called beam b-e-a-m that will uh, give you like like it's a savings account that will give you uh, up to like four percent interest where a typical savings account is like point zero, you know, two or some ridiculous thing, and so it's this new socially conscious thing. And but their their whole thing is get the word out, be a beam evangelist. You know, the world gets it. Tell everyone about. You seem interested, Eric. We'll talk later. Um, tell everyone about beam. Two to four. <laughs> no, it's it's not invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> It's, uh, we'll check it out later. It's, it's very legit and super cool. Um, it's not completely out yet. I'm, in the I'm on a waiting list. Um, and if you sign up today, you can help me jump up the waiting list. <laughs> if you get on the wait list. <laughs> no, you don't even have to do anything with it. But, so, it's, why would we not? Because this is God's plan for this world to be changed. You know, true life is found in Him. If we're not sharing that, if we're not living that, we're not breathing that, we're, we're missing out on what God's called us to do. And there's, there's a lot of joy in sharing something great with others, isn't there? You know? If, if Eric joined Beam with me, it's not like I'm getting any of his money, but it's exciting to say, wow, you're doing well too. You know, I used to be in that place where, you know, I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. Or I didn't have any hope, but now I have hope. I didn't have any joy, but now I have joy. I have meaning in life. And for, for, for us to share that with others is, is so huge. How will they know unless we tell them, unless, unless people are sent. In, this, in the coming months, I hope to, to kind of introduce some things to us as a church where we can begin to do that together more. It's our responsibility. Things can't stay within the, the four walls of our church. We're called to do greater things. In 1 Peter, a final verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, we look at verse 15. Through 17, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. But it says this, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile 
your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So it starts out by saying, be prepared. And when we say defense here, this is not like a, a, a battle with someone. You know, what you believe is stupid and, you know, this kind of, this kind of thing. It's, it says, be prepared to make a defense, give a reason, if you will, for the hope that is in you. It says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. When someone notices, you know, you know, William, something's different about you. Are you ready to share with that person then? Well, this is why. You know? This is, it's because of Jesus. Are we ready to share that hope with others when, when people ask us? I'm, it's not different because, you know, I had better parents than you growing up. I'm a Yankee or I'm a Southerner, although I'd lean towards Yankee. We'll talk about that later. Dennis is like, I think people are friendlier up here in that part of New York anyway. Not New York City. That's a whole other state. But... Do you, are you prepared with gentleness and respect to share your hope with others, right? And it says, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, you know, people are, 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 are not always going to be very thrilled with you, especially in this society as a believer. Christians are continually put down, but I think a lot of times we're put down because of the bad actions of other believers, right? Of those that are judgmental and, and unloving and, and are not living the way that Christ has called them to live. He said, so have a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Live, live such a life, essentially, that no one can say anything negative about you. You know? Well, this guy's a Christian, but you know, I, I can, I, there's nothing negative I can, I can say about this person. Unfortunately, there's believers sometimes that people can say a lot of negative things about. We have to walk in truth. We have to live according to the truth that we proclaim. That's not easy, and, we, we, and we're not perfect. We've got the Lord's grace for a reason, but I was reading the Bible this morning, or actually listening today, uh, and Samuel, if you're reading... Um, 1 Samuel gets to this point right before they get a king in Israel. And he says, right now you guys tell me anything, basically, that you see in my life that, you know, tell me if I've wronged anyone, if I've ever harmed anyone, if I've not been the person that I've said I was supposed to be. No one could say anything negative about Samuel. He said, but if you do find something, I'll rectify it right here and right now. If I owe anybody anything, if I've done anything wrong, I'll, I'll make it right. And we may not always be perfect, we may, but there are, there are things we can do, right, to make things right. Christians, you've heard people say it before, we're not, we're not perfect, we're forgiven. That's not an excuse, but it is, a tr it is true. We're forgiven. And the righteousness that we have, don't for, ever forget this, is not from ourselves, right? It's from Jesus. So let them see Jesus in all of us. Would you stand with me? We'll pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning together. We thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, we, 
we want to take your word seriously. You, you give us this responsibility to, to represent you well to the rest of the world and to go and specifically share that truth and that hope. Lord, I pray that it would just be a very natural thing for us, a natural part of who we are. Lord, that it would be, we would be salt and light. Lord, that we'd be like my grandmother who just, it just flows naturally. She's so excited about you, so in love with you, that she can't help but just talk about you. Lord, in the same way that we, we do that with other things that we love, our hobbies, Lord, help us to, to have a greater love and a desire for you, Lord, that that would just come out. Lord, help us to, to be a church, to be a people that makes a difference. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this morning together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Like I said, amen.